I'm about $200 a month more expensive for, again, we're talking one bedroom, one bath in Omaha, and I'm charging $1,875. And so I'm able to get more because my units look better than, than my competition. What's up, everybody? My name's Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. STR Nation, want to know how I gained $817,000 in equity in 19 months using none of my own money? Well, if you haven't already heard me talk about boutique hotels, I just recorded an 18-minute case study for my private mastermind group on how I bought a tiny 13-unit hotel in Rockport and more than doubled its value from $2.25 to $5.5 million in 19 months. But instead of keeping this one a secret, I decided to share it with you guys completely free. Just go to www.strsecrets.com hotels to access the case study and promise in just 18 minutes, you'll know why boutique hotels are my favorite STR strategy in 2023. I break down everything from the renovations, the location, the investment, the equity, the financing, and how to take advantage of forced appreciation. So when you have 20 minutes, go to www.strsecrets.com hotels. And now let's get into this week's episode. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, B? Brother, so good to see you. I love coming on on Thursdays. I feel like now it's the only time I get to see you is either on this or on our, our coaching call with the seven-figure boardroom. Dude, our fam is killing it. We have one of our students that just has 100 acres on their contract. Which gets me so excited. I'm a little bit sad today. It's February 9th. It's my grandfather's 95th birthday today. And not being able to fly home leaves me a little bit spicy. I would much rather be there with, with him. But I had Do you a, usually I, go back in February? Do you do that usually? For his birthday. I've done it. I've done it in the past. Especially like 90, 95. I would have loved to be there. I told him for your 100th birthday, I'm going to be there. So inshallah, he makes it there. But it's so funny to like get to see him. And he's just 95 but he's the same, you know what I mean? And so just like kind of makes me super grateful that we have so much family there. They kind of like, it's there to take care of him. Everybody did the rounds today. So he's had people over in company all day. And so it just makes me like, you know, it's one of those things that like weighs a little bit, you know, I'm like, oh, I wish I could be there. But at the same time, I told him I'll be going there over the summer. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. And it's just like, you know, life is good though. I'm grateful that he's, he's well. What you been up to, bro? A lot, man. <laughs> a lot. Deep breaths. Yeah, no, we're yeah. we're we're good. Projects, a lot yeah. of a uh, lot of last minute stuff for STR WealthCon. Now it's like all the final logistics and like tying all that stuff down. And we just are about to sign a contract for 2024 because you got to secure these venues and way in advance. Spoiler alert: We're going bigger next year. Hey. Um, That's because we, oh. we we ran out of space for this year. So that it's like two months ago. Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah, we're at max capacity, like legally, there's literally no more tickets. So you can find them on the black market. It's funny in the Facebook groups. It's like, I got one. And then like 20 minutes later, it's like, it's gone. So oh, it's pretty cool. And that, yeah, man, hotels going well, just finalized picking out plumbing fixtures and just a whole bunch of moving pieces over there on that front. 
and uh, just had Danny here for a few days filming a bunch of content for the next couple months. So yeah, man, just this past week just feels like a whirlwind. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed early tonight, I think. Yeah. Your aura ring is probably like, dude, you should be dead by now. So like, It literally <laughs> was like, are you, it, I think it said the other day, I've never seen it. It was like, are you okay? <laughs> oh, like, where, where do I start? I'm yeah. like, not okay. But yeah. like, I just need a couple more days, you know? I'm looking forward to seeing the content that you and Danny put out. I'm sure there's a bunch of like hotel, new hotel stuff. So it's going to be exciting to see yeah. all of that, you know? Yeah, man. And I'm super stoked for our guest today. I've been seeing her everywhere. So I'm excited for you to intro her. And I was talking off air with her and she, she sounds like a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to the show today. Yeah, she's making waves right now. So her, her book just came out with... Uh... A guest that we just had on last week, Julie Gates, right? I believe she wrote a chapter of it, but it is the new 30-Day Stay book. So today on the show, we've got Sarah Weaver on with us, and uh, she's got nine furnished rentals that she runs as a mixture of medium and short-term rentals, and uh, they're in Nebraska, Iowa, and uh, she owns all of them, I believe. So Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go to the beginning. How did you get into all this to now you're like a published author and like just content whiz? Like, let's let's hear it. How did all this start for you? Thank you, man. Content whiz. I don't know if I quite deserve that, but yes, I did publish a book and I appreciate it. I started off. I'm just a girl from Kansas who always wanted to get away. So if any of your listeners out there or maybe you guys are someone that you always knew, like your your boots were too big for that town. And you always wanted like, you know, pastures are always greener on the other side. That was me. Growing up, I had posters of travel. I read the travel books all the time. I wanted to be Samantha Brown on the Travel Channel. So I got a degree in journalism and international studies. And then I hated it. <laughs> and so I'm sure you have listeners out there, especially anyone pursuing financial independence, especially through real estate investing. I think we talked to a lot of people that are like, I hate my job. And I was like, oh, shoot, what have I done? And so I quickly pivoted and then slowly started buying properties so that I could even quit that job as well. And that's what I did. So off air, we were talking and I was like, where are you? Where are you based out of? And you're like, well, I'm actually a full time nomad. So kind of walk us through that. Walk us through how long you've been doing that. And you're still running properties. It sounds like in a couple of places while being a nomad. So yeah. Kinda- Introduce me to all of that because I'm feeling anxious just kind of thinking about it. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm anxious living it. So you're not, okay, good. You, those feelings are validated. Being a nomad is really just a fancy term for homeless by choice. Yeah. So I have been fully nomadic, fully traveling. Um, my four year anniversary was last week. Wow. So, so you've been fully homeless while owning nine properties. I don't know if you can technically call yourself homeless because yeah, the, the homeless homeowner how's that yeah the homeless homeowner that's and your that's, next book that's gonna what, be a new tagline somewhere yeah i always joke don't put it in my dating profile though i don't <laughs> think so. it's a hard sell <laughs> i love that i love that so like what made you decide to get into real estate though like that's what i'm curious about like yeah it was it's like a whisper i think some people get into real estate because they have like one profound conversation And it was loud and they like went and got their real estate license or went and bought their first rental or, you know, they read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and that was it for them. 
for me, I, I consider it more of a whisper. So my dad worked for new construction his whole life, not necessarily boot collar, but like middle management. And so I visited houses and like played on dirt piles in the summer. But still, there wasn't like a profound moment then where, you know, I walked into the open house, met a realtor in a terrible three piece suit and thought, that's what I want to be when I grow up. No, that didn't happen. And then even when I became a realtor, which did happen, by the way, it would have been about 20 years later, I still didn't understand real estate investing because for anyone that's thinking about getting their license, you learn nothing about investing in real estate when getting your license. And so it still was years later that I finally bought my first property. And so I really have to credit it to I've always known that I wanted to be location independent. And I thought, well, wait a minute, if I'm already spending so much time abroad, why don't I buy a house with a low down payment and then go abroad? I was like, that kind of sounds like a no brainer. And then just do that every year and essentially house hack my way to being a millionaire. Hmm. So you're buying them FHA. I have buying them just low, low downs. So just so the, the, first, the first one I did was 3% down um, the home ready program. And then I did it again. And then I was like, okay, never mind. That was a bad plan. That's going to take forever to become a millionaire by house hacking. And so then I scrapped that plan altogether and started buying property, properties differently. What, how did that plan look after that? So what was the new plan? So in 2021, I bought four properties in 92 days. And it was very crazy and a whirlwind. And so it was my third and maybe final house hack. So I house hacked a fourplex. I bought the fourplex next door. Um, I actually approached the seller while he, or the owner while he was mowing and convinced him to sell the fourplex to me. So I bought that one next door. And then I also did a long distance burr using hard money and private money. Damn, girl. You just, you just go for it. Pedal down. Yeah. Like, no Another shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? All fair. She's like, we're like, how long did it take you to write this book? She's like, 82 days. And then she's like, I bought four houses in 92 days. So I think like she knows all of her like kind of like the little timestamps. And so four houses in 92 days was the goal to always do vacation rentals or was the goal to do this long shorts as Julie likes to call them, this long, long short term rentals or what was the plan there? Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to have at least one furnished unit. It would be the unit that I lived in. And I had planned on putting it on Airbnb on the weekends and, you know, traveling to Mexico whenever I wanted. And then one of my very, very first guests was a travel nurse who booked for 92 days. And I was like, oh, this is way better than like two day or three day turnovers because of my lifestyle. I could go into the jungle of Guatemala and have my phone off because I don't have a check in for the next, you know. 80 to 80 something days. And so I really like the medium term rental strategy, which is just like the short term rental strategy, except for your guests stay 30 to 100 days. I asked this question to Julie, right? And I'm like, if, if we have a listener that has been doing more of the short term rentals and is now, you know, like obviously go buy the book, but like that has been thinking, okay, maybe I want to do this, this long short and like I want to look at my place in a way that it's going to make it more appealing to a travel nurse or somebody that's going to travel more of that longer term. What are some of the avenues? So do you just advertise on Airbnb or where else do you advertise? For those units, I have them listed on Airbnb. Mm -hmm. um, I have the little, you know, toggle button where 30 day minimum is what it is so that I'm not getting any shorter stays. And then I also list on a website called Furnish Finder. Hmm. I keep hearing about Furnish Finder and I have one listing on there from the longest time. And to me, it has never 
Yeah, I was going to ask you because I've got, I've used it. I've gotten maybe two bookings on it in like a while. So what is the trick? Because it is a totally different platform. Than there are tricks. So if you guys have been waiting for this, get your pens and paper out. Here's the trick. You have to update your listing every day. So I yeah. go in, I go in every other day. So every other day you need to toggle your availability. So for example, if I have one available March 30th, the next day I'm going in and I'm changing it to March 29. The next day I'm changing it back to March 30. Um, that helps with the algorithm. You need to edit your title, your listing description. And then this is the not so fun part because that can be automated. You know, like that's a VA can handle that, right? Or I should be, should say delegated. It can't be automated, unfortunately. But then the next thing that you have to do is you have to go into your tenant leads and you have to message all of them. So Furnish Finder is not a booking site like Airbnb not an OTA. It's a listing site. So it's just like if you listed on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, Zillow. I was going to say, it's like a Craigslist almost like it feels like a Craigslist. It feels like a Craigslist. You then have to reach out to your potential tenants. It does have a drop down, um, like a drop down menu, making it available to add templated messages. So my templated messages says, hi, this is available those dates. And I, again, not that way. I'm not editing it every time. It just is generic. Hi, this is available those dates. If you'd like to apply, email the following to blank email. And then one, photo ID. Two, phone and number and email to your previous landlord. And three, proof of employment, assuming that it's a nurse. And if it's not a nurse, it's a similar process, but I'm going to have them do a background check. Got it. So you, you have them email their license and... Proof of employment, which nine times out of 10, they screenshot their employment letter from the recruiter. And then they send me their phone number and email of their previous landlord. Okay. And are you doing like a, a lease mm -hmm. for these? Yep. If they don't book through Airbnb, I'm putting a lease together. Okay. And what does that lease look like? So do you just grab the typical lease for whatever part of the country you're on? Like, for example, as a realtor in Florida, there's a standard Florida lease. Do you use that? You had a, an attorney make you a custom one? So full transparency, I started off with the standard lease and then yeah. kind of wrote in an addendum that all the furniture and decor were owned by me. But now that, you know, I wrote the book, I should probably be a little more professional. I now have an attorney drawn lease that I pretend to use. And then sometimes I still use the other one. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I hear that. And so it's kind of like you make people go through more of a, what I would call like a long-term kind of process, meaning like, show me your proof of employment, Show me your, show me your thing. I'm going to do background check. Do your guests pay you for those 90 days? So do they pay you upfront or what does the payment structure look like? Yeah. So love talking numbers. So let me give you an example of a one bedroom, one bath that I have in Omaha. Um, long term, it rents 830. If I rent medium term, it's 1,870. And so if someone's interested in that unit, they are paying an $800 security deposit the moment they inquire. So I'm getting that if, even if they're moving in tomorrow or if they're moving in in two months, I want the security deposit right away to secure their spot. Then they're paying their full month's rent, the 1875, two days before move-in. So they don't have any trouble with, you know, giving them the door code, et cetera. So two days before move-in, they pay the first month in full. And then every 30 days from there, they're going to pay, you know, month two, month three. I have them pay a $200 security deposit for pets if they have a pet. A $175 pet fee, non-refundable per pet, and a $150 move-in fee, which you and I know it's a cleaning fee, but 
but I call it a move-in fee because if you call it a cleaning fee, then they never clean. So I call mm -hmm. it a Smart. 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 Love that. And what do you use to collect your payments? Um, Avail or apartments.com. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like a completely different like it's a completely different it's a completely different tech stack. Yeah. And yeah, so and you it's use some of the, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Do you use some of the typical kind of tech stack that we've been talking about? Like yes. what so do you I use? use hospitable. The only difference is that for the furnished finder tenants, I have to manually input them. And by I I mean my EA or my VA. I don't do it, but they manually input them. We did still find that that was just so much easier than doing it separately because we still like the automated messages. I was going to say, it's nice to have a central location for everything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I love that um, it really fluctuates depending on the time of year, if I'm getting more furnished finder bookings or more Airbnb bookings. And people always ask me like, which I prefer. It doesn't really matter because Airbnb, yes, it's quick, but my bottom line is a little bit less than what I just told you for Furnish Finder, because every dollar of that goes into my account. There's no fees taken out. However, I pay probably four to five hours of admin time per tenant because, and so then I have to account for that. So if I'm paying my, you know, VA $10 an hour and my EA $25 an hour, that costs money. So I consider it a wash. So I don't really care what they book through. And then I've had really positive experience with air cover. And so I might even be more excited when they book through Airbnb because it's one and done, no admin time. And then I had a more, a really good experience with air cover recently. We asked Julie this, I think you may have asked her as well, but like, what are, what are some tips on Airbnb to attract more 30 day plus stays, midterm stays? I think it really depends on your market. So for me, I know exactly who I'm looking for. I specifically have Omaha. I bought the property next door and I knew that I was going to turn all four units into travel nurse units. I'm with like in seven to 12 minute drive of major hospital complexes. And so all of my listings, it's very clear that it's a one bedroom, one bath. You can park your car and directly walk into your door. So it's safe because if you're coming off the, you know, night shift at three in the morning, you want to know sure, make sure you have parking and, and in a well-lit area. And then blackout curtains are an absolute must in the bedroom, especially if you are uh, working night shift and sleeping during the day. And then I think people really like that I know the travel nurses. So when they message me and they say, hey, I'm a travel nurse, I say, great, I'm, you know, I'm 90% occupied by all travel nurses. Yeah. So you know how to speak. So your avatar is super dialed in. Exactly. Your guest avatar. Whereas not all medium term guests are travel nurses. So, for example, there's Amanda out of Charlotte and she owns 25 single family homes and they're all medium term rental. Her avatar is a, a New Yorker who's moving to North Carolina and going to relocate because Amanda owns a real estate team. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, so, yeah. She, so she's going to house you in her A class neighborhood single family home. And then also sell you a home and collect commission for that as well. Yeah. And so for my real estate, that's, that's money right there. She's amazing. So totally different model and still a medium term tenant. And so I think it's really important to make it clear that it's not just travel nurses. Uh, a friend out of Waco, uh, not uh, the Gaines family, but an actual friend, Sylvia, she has a medium term rental and only houses construction workers. Mm. So it's just really going to depend on where you're at. Yeah. One thing that I wrote down, I have to reach out to Amanda because we'd love to have her on the show to talk about that whole real estate agent side of things. Yeah. One of the questions, and you kind of touched on it already, 
with the, with the blinds. But what are some of the things that you found out that are an absolute must have for your travel nurses in terms of like what kind of furniture? I assume a good coffee maker considering you're doing nice shift that would need that. So kind of walk us through that. Yeah. So actually to go a step further and always have the list of what is in the kitchen available because they often ask because a lot of them are driving from one travel nurse uh, location to the next. So even though they might be originally from Connecticut, they just finished an assignment in Phoenix and now they're driving to Omaha. And so they're going to ask, like, do you have a blender? Because otherwise I'll bring mine. Or what kind of coffee maker do you have? And so make it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter what coffee maker you have, but have all that information available. They really appreciate seeing that, yes, there's a vacuum. You don't need to bring your own vacuum. So essentially a, a list or an inventory list available for them. And then to add to that, the bed. The bed is so crucial because they don't really care how cute your unit is if they can't get a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. But my units are really cute. I should, that's cool. It's funny because um, the property that tends for us to get the most midterm stays, it's not our highest end property. If anything, it's more on the lower end but when we were designing it it was like all right it's going to be clean comfortable affordable and like that was my biggest thing was like yes the the decor needs to look okay like good clean but we need good mattresses good linens good towels like because at the end if you're a business traveler if you're somebody that's going to be there for two three four weeks a month two months like i care about like shower pressure nice sheets comfortable bed nice place to sleep you know, good internet, like just the basics, but just the little touches on like the towels and the linens for me. And I've seen it in the reviews. Like that's what people are like. This mattress was amazing. Slept well. It was clean. Great price. Like would highly recommend, you know, definitely book. Like we just see that consistently in the reviews. And, and I think it's so important to understand your competition. So for me in Omaha, there wasn't a lot of beautiful listings, especially on Furnish Finder and frankly, not even on Airbnb at the time. And so I went above and beyond with my decor. I also own a company that furnishes Airbnbs for investors all over the country. So I, this is like not just something I do for myself, but I do for others. And I know for a fact that we're fully booked because the units are beautiful. Are they, you know, bachelorette pad in Phoenix type decor? No, because I don't need a neon sign or a selfie room, but I need them to be beautifully decorated. And I've had nurses comment that they were willing to live in a hotel for a few weeks until my unit was available because they were just sick of living in ugly places. So this woman had been a travel nurse for two years and just wants to live somewhere cute. And so she was willing to wait until my came available. Which is a great point, right? It's a great point in understanding your avatar and understanding that like travel nurses are people too. Like, you know, and they're like, they have this life of like having to travel and Different than an executive or a businessman that travels a lot and they all get paid from the company, they get money to pay for their stuff, right? In the way that I understood it always is they get an allowance in a sense, right? And they- Exactly. Yep. There's, they, two, there's two different ways they can accept their housing stipend. They can have their recruiter book housing for them or they can book it themselves. And I understand that at least 80% of them choose to book themselves because then they get to pocket the money. And so that's what they typically do. And I'm more expensive than my competition. I'm about $200 a month more expensive for, again, we're talking one bedroom, one bath in Omaha. And I'm charging $18.75. And so I'm able to get more because my units look better than, than my competition. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you talked about this other business of yours. And again, the more you talk, the more I find out you do a, a lot of cool shit. And then I am naturally curious. I'm like, ooh, let's go there. You have a company that helps investors buy furniture or you guys own the furniture, you lease it to them. What What is that business all about? Yeah, so Aria Design Services, we will design your unit for you and purchase the furniture, ship it to your unit, and either you can, or someone you hire can install it or some of our clients choose for us to get on a plane and go out and do the install as well. But it is a curated design for your furnished rental from my designer and my team. Amazing. Next question. Before we got on air, you showed me your arm. <laughs> and you had a little accident with your arm. You fell in Guatemala, but you were saying that you were in Guatemala to host a retreat. Yes. What is I, that? I host retreats all over the world for real estate investors. I am a conference junkie. So we talked about the, the STR Wealth Conference coming up and I love conferences. And I felt that there was a need for investors to have even more connectivity and a smaller setting, especially the introverts out there. As a wildly extroverted person, I have a huge soft spot for introverts. And I designed these epic adventures for investors. And they have been so much fun. Last year, we did seven um, all over the world. And this year, even just from January to June, I have seven. And so if you are looking to connect with other investors outside of conference hallways or, you know, a, a large thousand person event, I would love to invite you on my next adventure. And so they're not just vacation rental specific. They're just all real estate specific. Exactly. Just you have to be a real estate investor and be cool. <laughs> cool. How's that sound? That's awesome. Is there a minimum threshold that you define a real estate investor by? Like, is it one unit, two units, five? What, what I've decided is that I'm less interested in your unit count and more interested in like what, why are you interested in real estate investing? If you're a looky loo and you've been interested in real estate investing for three years and you haven't bought anything, you're, you're not really, that's, you're not our avatar. People come to my events and then they immediately buy real estate. So one of my events, I had 17 investors. Nine of them went under contract within six weeks of the event. And seven of the nine said they never would have done that if they hadn't gone to the event. Mm. So it's like peer pressure and fun. How's the peer pressure, man? It works. It really works. It works. I was myself putting it's not peer pressure. It's it's motivation pressure. It's motivation pressure. It's it's that like, you know, like the plants next to each other to see each other grow and you're like, oh, I can do that. And you just like kind of keep striving for the sun more and more. This has been super fun. What's the what's the vision now? Because you're doing a lot of things, right? So where where do you spend your time? Yeah, I spend a lot of time homeless, like, right? Like homeless, <laughs> and then what, what else do you do with yourself? Exactly. Try to explain being homeless. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going well, by the way. I am really pouring into my clients, so I have a I have a small coaching program, and really just like loving on them and helping them grow, and then figuring out ways that I can weave in travel so that I can go places that I want to go. One thing that I'm really proud of is that I've been fully nomadic while I've grown my portfolio. So I now have 19 units in four states. I own all of them. I self-manage all of them. And I will grow my portfolio and continue to grow. But I also, I want to focus on me. Like for the last four years, I've been go, 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 go. I have staff. I have teams. I, I have, you know, these growing businesses. And I want to do cool stuff. And so last year was so fun. Um, it was amazing. And I chose places 
that I kind of knew I was going to be able to sell. Whereas this year, I chose places that I wanted to go to. So Patagonia down in Chile, an African safari in Tanzania, the south of Italy to check out my friend's olive orchard and meet with a real estate agent. Bro, I'm coming. When are you going to the south of Italy? I just need excuses to go home anyways. Amazing. As I was saying earlier. Yeah, I actually, that is my only event of the seven that I mentioned. That's the only event that's not sold out. So you're hey, in luck. There you go. We're but I, I love that because I think I think one of the things that gets kind of lost in this in this hustle society that we're in is the fact that you're like there's this kind of perceived idea and and this is really hitting home for me a lot because I reread who know how mm. of the of the how and and sometimes in the how people are kind of resigned to the fact that like it, it needs to be shitty for a certain amount of time right like I need to pay my dues by being in the shitty situation where I work a lot, sleep too little, uh, don't have any friends, eat ramen, right? And I'm like, oh, I hate that. Because like to me, you're missing the point of the abundance of life. Mm -hmm. Because similar to what you're saying is like, no, fuck that. I can have a life where I'm having a lot of fun, where I get to travel and I get to grow my portfolio and I get to help people and, and, and versus being more of this place of like either or. Yes. Right. So I really acknowledge you for for that. And also I can it takes a lot of balls to be able to like have, first of all, be completely nomadic for so long while growing a business and supporting people and planning travel. So, yeah, I hope people like get really inspired from this little bit of the show, because I think that it's above everything else that is awesome that you've done, um, including breaking your arm. Ian, Ian hosting the event with the broken arm and then flying back to the U.S. I mean, that's that's after rescuing a child in a tree. That's how she yeah. broke her arm. Yeah, no, saving children, of course, yes. burning buildings and sharks. Yeah, and that's the power of a woman because if that happened to me, I would have been like, guys, canceled, canceled. Wherever <laughs> I'm going home, I need my mom. I need like a warm blanket, some food. I'm like, I cannot. I mean, I wanted those things, so it happened on a Tuesday evening. So on Wednesday morning, I woke up and I was like, okay, I have three hours to decide. Was just a deadline that I created in my head. But I was like, I have three hours to decide because people are getting on planes like within 24 hours to fly to Guatemala because my guest arrived Thursday and the event started Thursday evening. And so I'm laying there. I'm like, you know, no surgeon's going to be able to do anything with how swollen it is. So let's just negotiate with the pharmacist, get some drugs. And let's just host this event. And um, the negotiating with the pharmacist didn't go very well. So I had, I basically was on ibuprofen. That part didn't go as planned. But I, the event was better than I could have imagined. So well, that's amazing. <laughs> so yeah. before we wrap up, I want to hear some more about your latest venture with this book and what that's all about and what the, uh, the readers of it can expect. And, you know, maybe a couple nuggets from the book. Absolutely. I'm really proud of the book. The book is called 30 Day Stay, A Real Estate Investor's Guide to Mastering the Medium-Term Rental. And it's published by Bigger Pockets. My co-author, Ziana, and I, uh, we both value freedom and travel. Uh, but I want to be really clear, if travel's not your thing, or maybe you're in a chapter of your life where travel's not accessible to you, I want people to think of like whatever that thing is that makes them invest in real estate. Usually it's more time with your loved ones, maybe more time with yourself, your fitness, your health, whatever it is. So we weave that into the book talking about how we do all of this remotely. So both Ziana and I, we buy out of state. 
we buy long distance, we manage long distance, we furnish long distance. And so the book is meant to, as a, it, you could pick it up and go straight to the furnishing chapter. If you're in the middle of furnishing one of your units, you could go straight to the financing chapter if you still haven't mastered that part. So that's more for beginner investors. And the book in, as a whole is geared toward beginners. Um, by no means is it dumbed down. I really like the book because it can be used as a reference guide. I don't know if you guys have read uh, Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week. I think that for me was probably a game changer book. A lot of people, it's Rich Dad Poor Dad. For me, it was the Four Hour Work Week. And I use that book as a reference. Like I go back to the chapters that I need throughout the year. And that's my hope with 30 Day Stay is that you guys use it as a reference guide and that it's a huge help to you. Even if you're very well versed in the STR space, you're going to get some really good nuggets. But especially if you're a beginner investor, read the book from beginning to end and then use it as a reference book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think and I think it's such a great I, I love Tim Ferry specifically for that reason. And his like look of life of like, I'm going to explore, optimize and kind of see what works. Right. And I love Rich Dad Poor Dad because for me, it did something completely different. Right. And so like having a combination of the two things in a single book of like financial freedom plus actionable intel of like how to get it done. Because sometimes that those those two things are actually missing, right? A lot of people that write about financial freedom don't necessarily give you that much of a blueprint or they may do it in a second book, a third book, that then you have to keep buying versus being like, okay, this is the thing. This is what we're done. This is how you do it. Absolutely. And the mindset piece. I think people ask all the time, how did you do it? How do you do it? And they hate my answer because I tell them I made a decision. Like the only reason that I bought so much real estate in 2021 is I was like, OK, I'm sick of this like one every couple of years thing that I'm doing. I know how to buy real estate. I'm just going to buy a bunch of real estate this year. And I made a decision and it's all mindset. Like even buying the, the building next door, I looked in the mirror and I said, I'm going to buy the building next door. And eight days later, I had it on contract. Mm hmm. Then you went to talk to the guy. Like to me, it's also like that that part is missed by some people. It's sometimes it's just walking over to somebody's house and just be like, hey, I like your, I like your shit. Can I buy it? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this. Well, like, well, actually, yeah, let's actually let's dive into that even further. I looked him up on LinkedIn. I looked him up on Facebook. I knew where he lived. I looked him up on TAC records. I knew that he owned nine properties in town. And this was his only small multifamily. His others were all A-class neighborhood single-family homes. So not only did I walk across the street and talk to him, I was like, I like to joke I'm an attorney. I know all the, I know all the answers before I ask the question. So, uh, so I had all this intel on him before I walked over to talk to him. And then, of course, when I talked to him, I'm like, oh, I'm just a girl. I bought this house. I don't know very much. I'm like a real estate investor, kind of. But the reality was I was like, I know where you live. I know where you work. I know exactly what language I'm going to use to get I'll you. find you. I know. I know what you ate for lunch. I've been watching you all day. I was I was the donut this morning. But well, hey, like, again, like, I know I know what I think he's motivated by. And yeah. sure enough, he was like I knew. And of course, I asked the question like, well, what are you going to use the money for? Because I was like, maybe I could sell her finance. And immediately he knew exactly what he wanted to use the money for. And so then I used that as his motivator. And like I said, eight days later, we we're under contract. Yeah. I love both you and Julie because Julie says something very similar. She's like, I just like I'm I'm just like a dumb blonde. And then she's like, really not. And it's just like, again, guys, learn to use who you are to your advantage and learn to understand what's what's out there. Cause that's brilliant, right? That that's such a brilliant way. And again, everything is public. Mm -hmm. Everything is available. 
like my my wife has an ability to find information about people online so fast. <laughs> kind of creeps me out at times. And I'm glad she's on my side and like on my team because like I wouldn't like, you know, like I that's not my that's not my skill. But on a person to person interaction, I read you like an open book. Right. So understanding like where is your power and just own it. So where can people get a copy of the book, learn more about you, follow you, come to your retreats and, and everything else? Find all the good stuff that you got. Yeah, just on. everything about you. Yeah. Learn everything, yeah. Learn everything about me on the Internet at SarahDWeaver.com. Um, also, if anyone's listening to this and they liked anything that I said or they want to reach out, I really do read all of my DMs. So you can reach out to me on Instagram. It's also Sarah D. Weaver. And then if they would like 10% off the book, they can go to ilovemtr.com and I will give them 10% off. Dang, I just ordered two copies while we were doing this interview. I should have waited. I'll, I'll Venmo you. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, this was a lot of fun. And again, this is this is an avenue that I think a lot of a lot of people need to take a good look at. Um, for the foreseeable future, if if I'm not saying you have to go cold turkey and only do this, but it's just like another tool in your tool belt that like, especially like seasonal markets, like he and I kind of have like opposite seasons where like his winter is his busy season and it's my slow season up in New England. So it's like when you when you have that tool in your tool belt and you know what platforms and what levers to pull to drive bookings and longer stays to fill your calendar, like this is what being a professional host looks like. Like, it's not just, oh, I have a property on Airbnb and I'm a professional host. No, man. No. Yeah. And, and Mike, that's exactly what I that's exactly what I do with some of my units. So when the College World Series comes to Omaha, I'm strategically having travel nurse contracts ideally in right before that. And then I'm not bringing in another MTR tenant until after the College World Series. Is it a perfect science? No, I can't do it with all seven of my units. Um, but I am being strategic about, you know, Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meetings in Omaha because the goat of investing lives here in Omaha and all of these things. And so I call that the hybrid model. So I'm switching my MTRs back to STRs during that time and then very strategically switching them back to an MTR come fall, definitely in the winter. It's no one's coming to Omaha on a Tuesday. Yeah. I got cold just thinking about it. Like I have shivers just thinking about coming to Omaha for any reason, really except the winter. Yeah, no, it's, this has been great. I, I, I love, and I love what you just said too. It's just like learning the different way you can kind of like do and play and skin and just being, being aware of not just putting, you know, your thing up and just kind of praying. Cause mm -hmm. that's what a lot of investors do. That's what a lot of realtors do. You just list it and kind of pray, please buy my place and please book my place. And I'm saying that sometimes you got to do a little more and be informed and have a good team of people around you that help you kind of get, get the dream going, you know? hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, Sarah, thank you again. Really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for last coming question, on here. Mike, don't forget the last question. Oh yeah, dude, I'm, I'm off my game today. I don't think I ever, Homeboy, Homeboy, ever tired. Like that's, that's the thing that like, you know, like when the play get full, people get tired. Yeah. That was funny. All right. Well, let's get into that. So. Sarah, like we ask all of our guests, what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals or midterm rentals? Oh man, number one success, I think always being able to pivot. So like you, I was like, why are my listings so quiet on Furnish Finder? 
And then I dug into what other people are doing and I made a change. And now I have a system using Asana, making sure that those things happen. And so like my ability to pivot, I never, especially at the beginning, I like never took a nap on like vacancy or reaching out to people or raising rents or furnishing really well. I was always like 100% on top of my game. And now I'm so grateful that I can take a little baby step back because I now have employees who ideally are 100% on top of their game and taking care of those things. But I think when investors tell you, oh, I bought a bad deal or, oh, this isn't working, it's because exactly what you're saying. They, they like listed it and just like hope, hope people come. And I'm like, well, you know what I did is I called a bunch of healthcare recruiters and got on their list. I called insurance companies. I got on their list. I am constantly working to stay occupied. And now it comes easier. Now, thankfully, I just people book and I love that. Um, but it wasn't like that at the beginning. Yep. 100%. 100%. I'm glad we asked that question because that was golden. Yes, 100%. So this has been a lot of fun. Again, thank you for coming on here. Uh, excited to get my hands on this book and really dive in. And um, bought a copy for a couple people on my staff as well that are uh, in charge of different parts of the portfolio. So again, thank you for coming on here. And uh, for all the listeners out there, hope you guys enjoyed this one. Hope you took some notes. It's probably going to be one that you want to listen to a couple times and go grab a copy of 30 Day Stay. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care, everybody. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.